Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Stefan joins me and we talk about creating press releases for our RPG projects. This is something that I never considered before, but now I'm one over. Stefan also talks about his upcoming Kickstarter, The Mysteries of the Multiverse. This is a mutant crawl classic zine that focuses on unifying all your crawling classics into a single narrative framework. Also, I'll be out of the country for the month of May. I have some podcasts pre-recorded, but there's a strong likelihood that I will hit a couple of weeks without a recorded podcast. Who knows? Maybe I'll record something while I'm in Belfast. But don't count on it. I hear the call of the Emerald Isle. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, Stefan. Hey, Jeff. So, by Twitter, I got this link. This link, I opened it up. It's a press release. I don't know that I've ever seen a press release before. I'm trying to, I'm assuming I have, but not for a, a Kickstarter that's forthcoming for an RPG product, but you sent me a, a uh, press release. So what, I guess, before we go about the, the project, we'll just leave that as, we'll bury the lead. We'll go right to the, the idea of a, um, a uh, press kit, and then we'll move into the Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, so I saw, I, I, last time I've done a, well, I've done a couple Kickstarters. And uh, when you do one, you know, you say, you, you try to promote it. You try to get people to carry your product. And you say, hey, Exalted Funeral or whatever. Do you want to carry my thing? And they go, well, what is it? And you can just link to your Kickstarter or something like that, uh, or you can write up a description and kind of a similar thing with when you're trying to, you know, let's say be on a podcast or yeah. a stream, you go, Hey, I'm trying to promote this thing. And I enjoy your, your show. I think it'd be fun to talk about it. Well, what is it? You get that question. And, uh, the press kit is essentially a kind of ready-made. This is what it is. Here's a description thing. Um, I I honestly didn't know what one was or what one really looked like, like uh, probably six months ago, but uh, one plus uh, or one XP plus, whatever, uh, the, I'll find the right <laughs> name in a second, but uh, I saw a lot of them around zine month, uh, especially for, uh, yeah, one plus one EXP, it, that stream slash YouTube channel. Um, they've got like a whole really handy video on press kitting and some other good stuff that they did kind of as part of zine month with a, a few people to kind of be like, here's a good way to run a Kickstarter. Here's some pitfalls. Here's some good tips. And the press kit was one of the, the main takeaways I had for that. Cause honestly, it's a big time saver. Um, cause now I can just say, Hey, company you know i'm in america i can just you know as long as i'm not ending up with a thousand books i have to mail out i can probably i can mail out a couple hundred books but i can't do that really for the uk or canada but i can have mix some print in those countries and if i can convince someone to take the shipment they can distribute it and we'll, we work out some arrangement to make that good for them and a press kit allows me to just go Hey, Rooks Press. Hey, Monkey Paw Games. 
do you want to carry this thing? Here's some info on it. I'm not like sending you the PDF, but this is a really good description of stuff. And it's got, you know, kind of a basic features. It's got some art. It's got, you know, the list of who the team is. It's got some like me talking about it a little bit. If, you know, that would be more helpful if someone was actually writing an article about it, which I don't think is going to actually happen, but it's a good thing to have in there. Here's like promo art links. Here's the right social media links. Here's the Kickstarter follow page, et cetera. So that I've written all that one time and I don't have to write it again whenever I'm like approaching anyone about it. It's already done. Yeah, because really I think, you know, you could just hand somebody a PDF. Um, but that requires, say, let's say I'm a business person, not a fan, just a business mm. person. You can hand me a PDF, but you're making me work to figure out what it is. Yeah, if my thing is But the press kit, you've done the work. You exactly. hand it to me. It's like, okay, now I understand what this is about. Now I understand the vision. Now I understand, uh, you know, the history, whatever. A lot of the questions get answered, which I think is smart. And, and you can get that ready before the PDF is done. Like right now, my PDF for the, the project of, I, I guess I'll name drop it at this point, Mysteries of, of the Multiverse, little MCC zine. It's like 75% done. And the 25% that isn't is uh, some work from a contributing writer who's uh, doing an adventure that'll yeah take up about 25% probably of the like page count. So I've got it very done, but again, it's going to be like a, a 48 page scene and you're exactly right. It would be a lot of work for someone to like read through that, but I can have like a three, four page thing. That's a lot more digestible. Yeah. Because they're wanting to see a sample. And I think what you've, what you've listed here and, and I, and I, I think what you're doing is you're actually, <laughs> you know, doing something that's, uh, you know, what professionals normally do. <laughs> and we, we, we uh, don't think about these things because it's hard. It takes yeah. a lot of energy and it's not, you know, especially when you're a one man show, it's, it's, it makes it hard. So you've kind of, so you, it kind of starts that what kind of, it does start out with the, uh, I guess with what, just a little blurb and you have some bullet points of features. You talk about the system a little bit, social media, um, you also just have some, I think, ideas, what you're thinking about, your comments, the team. And a lot of this stuff, I think, you know, when I looked at it initially, I thought some of the stuff would actually work for your uh, Kickstarter page, too. A, a lot of it is going to is reflected on the Kickstarter page. A lot of that, like the <laughs> really probably about 50 to 75 percent of it is on there, too. So it's 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 work ahead of time, but it between not having to rewrite whatever it is through, yeah. you know, when you email other people and being able to use it on the Kickstarter page, doing a little press kit is something I'd, I'd advise other creators to, to do. Cause uh, it, in the end, it will totally save you time. Well, and I think it also, um, it also allows you to conceptually get it all together. I mean, it's like you've prepared, I don't want to say you've got your elevator pitch. It's more than just an elevator pitch, but in a sense, in your mind, you've kind of created the elevator pitch even for yourself to talk about things as well. Right. So when you go on a podcast or whatever in your mind, now you've kind of logically broke this thing down and you can, you know, talk about however you want um, because you kind of already have the structure already, the message already kind of laid out. Yeah. 
exactly so yeah i can like the just the the features bullet point section i can go and refer to that very easy 48 pages you know approximately we'll see when the writer turns it in but i've <laughs> out of space i've got saved for him i, I think will equal 48 pages might it don't think it'll be smaller though might be 52 uh you know we got an adventure we've got a bunch of travel hooks we've got you know you know this and that and it's well, uh yeah so it's broken down really easy and i think unless you've got a format that you've already locked down before anybody starts writing it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly what you need and boy you know, changes can really affect layout in big ways that you don't want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can you can estimate your page count just based off of going, okay, I told the guy I, I need, he's writing an adventure, I want 5,000 words. Uh, and I know I can fit about this much wordage per page, so that's probably this many pages, but after layout you know yeah you're exactly right well sometimes you like your sections you want to you know i've because i started um look at the old school essentials because some of the stuff i'm trying to do um uh, feel like the best area is to kind of mimic uh that and it's like i realize that they work really hard to keep their sections from getting broken up by um they try to keep it in the column they try not to split it over columns or over pages. They do sometimes, but, you know, looking back, it's like, it does look cleaner, but mm -hmm. in the end that requires choices as, you know, doing the layout and as an editor, you know, so you may kind of get stuff and you're like, well, well, <laughs> I, I've done that with, with the work I've put into it already where it's like, yeah, like the, you have your, your spread, you know, left page and right page and it's, you want to keep, I don't want a paragraph to run over from left page to right page. That happens one time in the book as it is right now. And it's just like, I can't cut that right without losing some, some substance. But yeah, but I, I, everything is kept to left page goes with right page and thoughts are complete so that it's like the readability and the concepts are all easy to, you know, get to. Yeah, and it's nice to have a little bit of wiggle room. It sounds strange when I said it. Uh, it's good to have some wiggle, wiggle. I can't even say it without sounding odd. But you want <laughs> to have some room to be able to wiggle around it, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the uh, and that's what's, uh, and I think that's what's kind of makes it nice. Not like you're locked into so many pages, but you also don't want this thing to explode into something uncontrollable as well. So it's like. I'm sure you say, well, if I got to go another four pages, I can live with that. But you can't live with another 16 pages. No, yeah. That would be a yeah. little too much. So how long and, it and for the people out there, you will print in page counts of four. That is just how it works. That is that is how printing is done. So that's why we're like, I can do an extra four. I can't do an extra one. I just right. can't. <laughs> and the, the big no-no, and I've, I've been told by people who know, is you don't leave page is empty that is like a sin it's not a it's not a uh, it's i guess what they call it venial uh it's not a mortal sin but it's it's a venial sin and people like why do i have extra so put something on there if you've got yeah three extra blank don't do three blank pages just who knows just come up with something 
you, you can make one a GM's notes thing and, <laughs> j- and have that. That's the lazy thing, but at least fill in the other two if you've got three pages. Do yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's less blatantly lazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, you can, there's all sorts of, I mean, you can just, you know, who knows, buy some stock art, just throw it up on the back, who knows, or just mm-hmm. throw some, a page of stock art earlier on or two and push your pages out. So that now you have, uh, you know, all your pages. It's, there's economical ways, there's easy ways. It's, uh, I've even started doing stuff with the, with the backside of the cover too. But in some sort, usually what I've been doing lately is doing some sort of art. And then I usually fade it back a little bit. And that way is at least the cover, the inside of the cover looks interesting, even though it's it doesn't serve any I, purpose. I've just, I'm going to last one. And this one, I stick the OGL on the inside back cover. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta go somewhere. It's a, I don't know why I don't, I don't like that. I don't know why I don't like it. I, can't, I mean, I, I get it. It makes sense. <laughs> I, but I don't know why I don't. It doesn't make sense. It's like, <laughs> you, you kind of want your back cover. It feels like a good place to have something artistic, but I don't know. That's my, that's how my page count is working. <laughs> well, old school. The other thing I think too is what shouldn't be forgotten is old school essentials. They put um, at least the the tome I got. Um, they put on their inside cover in the first page, and then reverse. Uh, they put um, the back too. Is they put tables in there. So it's like, yeah, you want to throw some, you want to throw in some random tables. That's a good place to fill up some space. Or even a table. I've seen. It where like this table is inside the book somewhere else, but you're gonna want to reference this multiple yeah. times. So let's also put it on, you know, on the inside cover. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to make the, the readers work. We can we can make it easy. So how long did yeah. it take you to put this thing together? Uh I've I started some stuff on it honestly last year so probably about i would say probably about six months so far and gonna launch june 14th oh no i mean i mean just the uh the press kit oh just the press kit um i would say i did it over a couple of days um i mean it was like i did an hour on day one i i did an hour on day two and i've like tweaked it a, a little bit and you know spend five minutes tweaking it you know so it, it didn't take a huge amount of time it, and it's four pages long and like i said earlier a lot of that is getting reused in the kickstarters campaign page yeah. yeah no it's it's good i just i just think i'm looking at what you did it's probably take me <laughs> hours and hours <laughs> but it but i think it it definitely is um yeah we'll uh if i'm so inclined i'll try and link maybe tony's um video in the show notes if i'm so inclined but um, i I can find it for you get it so it's easy there's a xeno uh discord page and i know there's a number of videos they had people producing uh content related to the publishing side of things for zines and um, this was among them so there's a lot of good. I just have not, I've not taken the time to actually view those things. Yeah, the, the I watched a lot of those videos, and some of it was like I have done a couple Kickstarters, so I knew some of that stuff already. But there, I think in all the videos I watched, there's at least some 
you know, very helpful nugget of, of wisdom in, in there. But the the printing one was all new. There's also a, a really good one with um, Ian Usum. I think I'm getting his name right, who did the drain for mothership and oh uh well a couple other things um but he did a whole one on like preparing for your kickstarter and it was uh it's also a very helpful one to any people who are who are thinking about doing that yeah i think the best thing is to not you know if you're going to do a kickstarter um you're right you, you really don't want to just be throwing something up at the last minute. I mean, you really want to think about it, get the layout decent, get all the points. I mean, it's, you know, that is the face of your campaign and, and to be haphazard with it is, is going to be detrimental because it will cost you. Yeah. That was honestly what my first Kickstarter was. I did it in zine quest of 2021, you know, so that went up mid February. Um, Me and the other guy who did it, we decided mid January that we were going to do it. And it was just Sean Richer was on a discord that we were on. And, you know, there's like 10 people on this discord and he went, is anyone doing something for zine month? And I was like, went, well, I got some writing that would be good to throw in a zine. I think people would like it, but I don't know. I don't have any art. And the other guy, uh, Bozanal who's uh, who's doing the cover for this. Um, and, uh, and a little bit more on the inside, but, uh, he went, I'd love to do some stuff, but yeah, I don't know what to do. And we just went, you know, it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, did did we just become best friends? <laughs> and we put it together in like three weeks and it was like, okay, we, we had everything down at least conceptually and some of the writing actually done, but he was just frantically drawing whenever he could to, and we were figuring out what kind of art spots we needed as we went. So that was kind of haphazard. The layout for that is very basic. It was mostly done in in microsoft word and then i bought affinity publisher somewhere along the way and finished it out in there but then you know i took a little time you know learned more about layout my layout got a lot better for uh second kickstarter i also did some layout for uh like a small thing for like a for john hook for a call of cthulhu thing that's like a eight page long mini adventure okay and and now it's like okay, I think I'm actually good at layout. I, I can make a pretty attractive page. I've learned some rules, you know, some do's and don'ts. I'm not yeah, doing gotta, any more pork art punk stuff, but yeah. I can do good layout. <laughs> yeah, it just takes uh, time, and there's there's plenty of resources. And I think the other thing is, I've just a lot of my purchases for RPGs has not just been for RPG content, but has also been for for layout inspiration too. Yeah, well, we're in that weird space of being creators of the stuff as well. So we're we're <laughs> buying stuff just to look at it and try to learn and go. I want to do that, or yeah, my version yeah. of it at least. I'll flip through. I got like uh, the War of Ashes is a Fate uh, product. It, they did some neat stuff with the layout on that, and I keep flipping through that, trying to think how I'm going to, you know, pull some ideas from how they did that into, into something in the future. I don't. Don't know. If I've got the chops for it, but uh, at least at this point. But uh, so yeah, and the, and the ordering the art that's hard. It's hard because uh, with Chema with the first uh, Madlands, it was it was wildly chaotic. Just give me stuff. The second one for Fane, I kind of gave him a, a large list of things, but just said I I you know can't do all of them. So I think and then when we get to uh, for uh, the next Madlands, we're gonna. 
be very, it's going to be much more specific. It is going to be, I need this spot. This is the size I need. And this is what I want in it and not just, uh, you know, burden yeah. the, the artist. <laughs> I, I gradually got better at that too. This one, I got everything into like pre-editing. I, I got into a mock layout, you know, going, I know this is all going to change, but, but this helps me think about what I need. And yeah. And I think what, this is yeah. what's hard is, I don't know. I'm not, I find like, so I have my daughter, I'm going to kind of jump around. My daughter's doing the layout for fame and she, she went, she got an associate's degree. Um, she's also like highly talented, but she, this is not her jam, but when she's doing the layout, she is doing it from beginning to end and completing it as she goes. Like, it's a steady progression. There may be a little bit of playing around or I find with what I do and even with the creative process, it's like, it's not linear. Do you find the same thing? Yeah, it's like, it's like, definitely like kinda, not linear for me. Yeah. You kind of write some stuff and then maybe you throw it into a, a rough layout and you're like, Oh, I can kind of see this now, but then that informs what you want to write or what you need. And, and it seems to kind of go back and forth a little bit. Yeah. I mean, with the layout here, there's one, part where I I moved a little section like a two-page section around just because I was like the the content that you know is like in the middle of the zine it it looks a lot of the same and then it flows into this I've got too many random tables like for generating things near each other let me just move this here and that breaks things up in a way that I think is just like makes it easier to read right so and and yeah, same with writing. I have how I write is a lot of I have a weird idea. It gets written down as like a bullet point in a big Google Doc sheet. Um, sometimes it's more fully formed than that, but a lot of the time it is just a like a stupid sink like a fragment sentence bullet point. And later on, I may go when I'm like, mm, I want to write something today. I don't know what. I'll look and I'll just like pick out a few bullet points that interest me and see if I can combine them. And I won't like fully write anything that day, but I'll like, okay, yeah, that would be an interesting adventure. And I'll, I've got like five bullet points. And then I try to think of like a title. And that's usually as far as it ever gets. <laughs> <laughs> but one out of 10 of those or something like that actually gets a, some more writing. Well, it's like the, I don't know what animal would be, but like, you know, like maybe an animal has a litter of, of babies or chicks or whatever, but only one or two of them are going to survive. The rest are yeah. going to, the weather's going to wipe them out or predators Yeah, the riding winter. Out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, sometimes you just don't know until you do. I, I think my stuff, pretty much everything I do comes to fruition, but it's, it's, um, but it's not, I like your approach. I wish I could do it. It almost feels more fun like like oh i'll try this and explore this or i'll try this and explore that um it sounds like a very fun way of exploring things yeah it it's why i have three things that are like pretty they're well developed i could hand them off to a like another person to play test them and they could read through it and it would make sense and i have a 30 page long google doc full of completely unorganized ideas and then i've also got like a dozen different half-written adventures that if i tried to hand them off to someone they'd be like i 
what is it? What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> yeah, you've got more stuff going on than I do. So, well, a lot of that stuff uh, I do, and then I don't touch it for months and months. <laughs> yeah, but one day that folder will open up and it'll be like, ah, the right moment. <laughs> yeah, That's what, it, what they wait for. So, so the the title is Mysteries of the Multiverse. Yes. So this is your product for Mutant Crawl Classics. Yeah, last time I did Merchants of the Multiverse, which was uh, a lot of extra, like, weird artifacts and, and a lot of weird merchants and, like, trade and travel stuff. And I'm kind of continuing off of that and uh, not intentionally getting on this whole title multiverse in your thing hotness that is happening <laughs> with a lot of companies. Watsy did it. Marvel's doing it. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm along for the ride. Yeah, I think the thing is the um, to me what makes it work. I, I did it with Thane, um, but not. And I think the idea is it gives you the opportunity to change up the worlds radically in a way that characters can access. Where it's like that's where I think the value of quote unquote the multiverse is. Yeah, and. I'm doing this for for MCC because I, I love I love the post apocalyptic stuff and I love the the Gonzo nature of MCC the whole kitchen sink of it's the movie Wizards it's Thundar the Barbarian it's Zardoz it's all the the really weird stuff but um the I I the book did need a little bit more it's a little bit thinner than the DCC book and I I think most of it what it needed was GM support. So like what I'm doing for this one is uh, stuff to actually it cross over with your MCC and kind of giving the, the people who's running the judges the permission to mix in other stuff into their weird world. Um, Goodman Games has put out a couple of adventures that are like time travel related that are it's already mixing DCC with MCC. But this one, I've got like adventure hooks related to like some of the patrons and the and the gods. So it's like, you know, uh, you you don't have any of those by rules as written in Mutant Crawl Classics. But you know, hey, a, a pointy-eared man walks out of a tree and goes, "Whoops, wrong turn," and goes back into the tree. Uh, you know, maybe the the plant guy in your group, the plantient he can do something about that. And, you know, you can use that to get into, you know, pull in some kind of weird time travel adventure or pull in one of those dungeon crawl classics modules that you haven't been able to run and give yourself an excuse to run that in MCC. Um, and I also did that. So I did that with like the patrons and the DDs from DCC, but I also did it with like some of the settings because DCC has like the chain coffin, which is like Appalachian fantasy. It's got uh, one of their like Gen Con program guides, which they kind of, there's like a smattering of different crazy material. They did a thing a few years ago called Dinosaur Crawl Classics, where you're all velociraptors. So I put in a thing in there for how to draw in that stuff. Uh, I put in stuff for how to draw in Peril on the Purple Planet stuff, which is like a John Carter meets Dune type meets Mad Max type of uh, campaign setting that they did. Um, and then I also uh, got in touch with a lot of like third-party creators uh, who do DCC stuff. So I've got 
Um, and I just asked them like, hey, I'm doing this if you want to, um, you know, this is the theme, it's very multiverse. Uh, I would love to have like put in some space for, for your setting that you create, you sell, you make money off of that. I'm not gonna pay you for this. Uh, I'm paying you an exposure bucks, I guess. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but if I'm just asking for like four to six sentences, that it like a couple adventure hooks. So I got Jonathan Snodgrass. He does Star Crawl, which is like a a, a little bit more of a hard sci-fi thing. I got Sean Richer. He gave me a lot of stuff. He does uh two. He did Two Worm, Two Furious. He did Terror of the Stratosphere. He's doing another thing oh, yeah. called Churn Stroke Burn, which I talked to him about it, and that is going to be like a three hundred page book. It is. It sounds enormous. Um, but I also got like uh, Leopard Women of Venus um, <laughs> by Josh Burnett, which is like a very, uh, like, I would say kind of, I don't, I'm not even sure. It, it's, it's inspired by a lot of old kind of pulpy stuff. Uh, Bronx Beast, which is like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of. And also Pax uh, Lux Q and uh, Aeon Ancient Greece. And they're kind of two different ways to do kind of Grecian fantasy adventures, one being a little bit more grounded than the other. Um, so I've, I've got a lot, like, that's the multiverse aspect in this. I, I approached all, not all, but a lot of the third-party setting creators for, for DCC and MCC stuff and went, hey, this product is great for, for having some of your stuff in there. And I don't want to tell you how to write an adventure hook. You're already a writer. I don't need you to do that. But here's an example of what I'm writing for the first party stuff. And I'd love to have your stuff if, if you want to. And all of them were like, yes, that sounds fantastic. Cause, uh, cause the DCC community is a, is a very friendly community. You're not asking for a thousand words. You're just, no. uh, you're just saying, Hey, if you want to be included in on this and it's uh, and it right. Cause it would, it could lead to people saying, Oh, this is a way we can logically tie their product it's like yeah it makes sense makes a lot of sense yeah that's uh that's pretty crazy so you've got geographical regions strange anomalies and weather so yeah so i, I the geographical mcc it doesn't have that much in the way of support for travel um neither does dcc but i feel like it's easier to handle bandits and going through forest and stuff there's also just like more you know over the decades there's been a little bit more focus on on creating hex crawl content for fantasy things but yeah i created a, a based off of like a geographical table in versions of the multiverse a thing of going oh yes you're you know you can say it's the desert you can say it's a jungle or whatever but uh, you know, it's, it was like a 2D 10 table, I think, that I had in the last one, uh, or maybe it was 2D 12. And, you know, one was had like a region type, like desert or jungle, as I said. And the other was sonic, plasma, acid, temporal, meat, gravitronic. And, but what, a, what does a gravitronic desert look like? And it's okay. Well, if you mutate out here, how you roll to get a mutation might be different. And so I would, you know, it's, oh, you're gonna roll 
2d10 for your rad burn because then you have a bell curve and you're going towards the center and that kind of mechanically ties in the gravitronic thing oh i see yes and your weird anomaly is that there's like pockets of gravitational energy where if you accidentally like if you don't recognize them and i tried to put in a way where like a little description so that the the judge can foreshadow this and not just be like surprise gotcha uh because no one likes that except a few judges (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah a way it's like okay this might springboard you off because the gravity like pulls you in and you've got a chance to get out but if you don't it's gonna like shoot you up into the air and some direction and you know depending on how strong it is because they're variable you know you're probably going to take falling damage as um and you know oh the you go into a, a meat area you might get like a a kind of a gross creeping meat disease which uh if you don't take care of that can be you know pretty bad and, and if you mutate over here you know it's gonna be like this but i i also try to include fun stuff where it's like uh you know mutation effect for the meat areas the player may roll twice and take the preferred result as they describe their muti- uh, mutagenic changes while they also have a meaty mouthful vegetarians vegans and those with valid objections to meat may use a f- uh, substitute f- food product so some of the stuff that i included for the mutation effect is is things like like have the player actually do something and if they want to do it they don't have to they get you know a, a more advantageous role that sounds like fun yeah yeah allows allows you're not really completely nailing things down but still giving guidance to the gm as far as uh as far as um you know how to handle those things um that sometimes seems like it's difficult on the fly especially i think a lot of people use stuff on the i don't know how much people use on the fly but i know i'm a lot of stuff i want to use is on the fly and i want it to be just completely usable and and uh something i can deal without having to spend a lot of time thinking about same yeah i don't if, I, I don't want to have to refer to a rule book and, unless I have to. Uh, I, if, if it can be quick, sure, but I don't want, I'm going to do a ruling over, look up a rule if it kills the, the pacing and the excitement. Yeah, so, so now you've got, uh, so you got the, the merchants, now you got the mysteries. So, so how many multi <laughs> multiverses are you going to, do you plan on doing? Is it going to go on forever? Is this going to be an infinite regression? <laughs> Uh, I've got some ideas for a third one that I will probably do, you know, it, it always depends, uh, how, how appreciated this Kickstarter is, but I've, I've got some ideas for a third one, a class that I'd like to do. Um, people always want more classes to, for their weird setting and, you know, more weird artifacts, some more little adventures and stuff with weird plants. One of my and a lot of that stuff right now is just in that bullet point form. I'm looking at my notes now, and one of them is you know, one d12 weird plants, and then a couple bullet points down. I have cyborg Sasquatch. That's all I wrote. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, so do so. I'm assuming though, as far as, uh, in the I guess the. Between the DCC and the MCC, there's probably such a large bestiary that it's easy to kind of just uh, mix and mash as you need to as well. Yeah, I'm also like a, a firm believer, and I think 
a lot of the advice in the DCC community is like, oh, you need a like don't don't name the creature, describe them. And if you just change your, you know, an orc can be a bear a lot of the time, just describe it different. The stack block can be the same. Oh yeah, it, that is really easy to do. In fact, uh, you know, that's, you know, even for stuff I've worked on, it's just, I'll go through, through a bestie. I mean, it's, yeah, it's by far the simplest thing to do. Look through a bestie. I think what's the best. And then, uh, then what I'll do is like, if there's some certain abilities that another one has, like, okay, I, I want this thing to be, you know, have this thing, but I also want to be able to swallow people. So then you go look yeah. up giant toad and just add that special ability to, to a bear. Or then you got a, you know, <laughs> it's like, exactly. It, there's no, you're right. There's no, there's no point. And especially I think in that, if you go with something that's already established, <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to talk about balance from balance, but I mean, but at least, like for instance like going to osc it's like uh old school essentials it's like um there are certain kind of power i will say power levels but we'll say the monsters challenge ratings whatever but it's i don't want to say it's balanced but but there's a certain thought that goes into putting that thing together and it keeps one from just you know going off the rails you know so yeah to speak. and i creating monsters and whatnot and figuring out how strong they should be it, it is an art not a science if you've tried to use challenge ratings in D&D for long enough, you'll realize that they're a bunch of bull crap. Yeah. Uh, it's an art, not a science. Well, the so. thing too is like, I, I've noticed with old school essentials, that the little I've been running is it's just, it's just deadly. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like a third little character still squishy. So yeah. Don't, you know. don't get in a fair fight. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> Every fight should be unfair. And if you don't make it unfair, well, <laughs> guess what? It's unfair. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I, that's why I had to tell, I ran for a while. I, I think it's an upcoming podcast, but it's just like, you know, the, the premise of this, you know, I try to tell Mara on is, you know, you hire a henchman and nobody did. Yeah. Uh, or I mentioned my hand, nobody did. And then after, you know, they've got thoroughly beat, it's like, okay. Um, the understanding is you hire henchmen. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh and then after things happen, I was like, well, also, you know, don't be assuming everything's to be fought. In fact, that's what's usually nice about with old school essentials. Yes. Is some of these is like it they're not all written to be fight encounters. And a lot of times you do not want to if you don't have to. And so, but but probably for mutant crawl classics, you're wanting the gonzo, you're wanting the crazy, you're wanting the things to explode, you're wanting yeah, so I mean, you do want those moments, but you also, yeah, it's you don't have to fight everything. I'm part of the the thing I've been working on also is, you know, you want to prepare for all your stretch goals as well. You don't want to surprise yourself with those, and some of them are a couple pamphlet adventures that are like a fun thought I had that weren't. It didn't seem like, well, at very least, I didn't want to like make them into a full fledged adventure, but right. I can make them into a simple pamphlet adventure, which. I don't even know if anyone's done that for DCC or MCC. Um, it's certainly been done with plenty of other systems, but I don't think there's been any pamphlet adventures for that. But both the ones that I've kind of preparing as a, you know, hey, we hit this point stretch goal. You could you could run in there and you can fight or you can be smart. Um, one I'm titling uh, Raiders of the Flying Monastery and the other In the House of Spud. Um, so if you're doing, please tell me when you're saying mm -hmm. in the house of Spud, 
I, I'm hoping there's a sentient a potato theme. man. Is this a is this Devo themed? No, uh, it's just a fun just a fun title. They got a lot of Spud references. Uh, really, it's a it's a ref. The kind of inspiration is uh, from the Fallout games. There's a character named Harold who uh, uh, begins as a guy with a pot on his head, and eventually uh, he becomes a guy who's stuck in a tree. <laughs> and he just seems to be living forever, and he's very annoyed by the people around him. So, so the the, like, the, th- the thing is that potheads live forever. Yep, it's it's <laughs> canon. It's canon. Potheads live forever. Now we know. <laughs> Because you'll be in a tree, but you'll at least be happy in a tree. <laughs> well, he's not very happy in the game, but no, it's oh. it's that it's you. That one is uh, there's this sentient potato person. He can't really move. He's been in these caverns. There's some rabbit people uh, called Tibars. They're they're in the MCC core book. They're kind of jerks. They can siphon energy from people. They're like rabbit people who are energy vampires. Very strange MCC thing. Um, they're going great. You can recharge thing with potatoes in real life. You, you can have your light bulb go. We can recharge it. He's great. And then there's also essentially some weird like sea cows, uh, essentially that have some mutations that are you know gotten some mutations over the years from eating at his roots. And both teams hate each other. And you could just try to wipe one or both out. And I've got it, you know, in there. So it's like, okay, you could do this. You've got these possible endings. You can make people happy. This can be a total slaughter fest for uh, maybe not in the way you want it to be. Um, or you can try to come to some semi-reasonable terms with people. But so that that's also why it's not going to be a full adventure. It's because I don't think there's enough enough meat on that bone to make it. But as a as a little one pager, one and a half as a pamphlet adventure, it's just right. Yeah, yeah, it's it sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, it, I think right in, in tuning for whatever. I mean, that's the key is tuning whatever you're doing for the system, because you, you know, the system kind of has a um, I don't say a genre, but a certain tone, a certain feel. It does, and and getting that dialed in because that's what the expectation is. I was kind of thinking too. It's like probably even like an MCC, you know, especially you know run one shots. You could there's no reason you couldn't just you know half failure be something completely catastrophic it's no big deal <laughs> yeah no I, the the little pamphlet adventures i'm playing it's like okay you've got your main mcc adventures if you're doing a big campaign you're probably going to try to go through like all the first party published ones and this can be a good little you're traveling from a to b and here's the like mini one session or half a session thing in the middle that's what i'm aiming for for those but um oh for for a second, I do want to talk about um, uh, in you are probably unfamiliar with it, but in the the DCC annual, one of the really fun and very goofy things they had was magic mustaches. Um, and it's just literally I've seen it run in games where it's you find a mustache on the ground or whatever you killed the bad guy, his mustache pops off. You put it on and you get magic mustache powers. And there's a variety of them. And you you have your whisker points. You, you have it a certain amount of times a day. And if you find another person with a magical mustache, you might have a mustache duel. And here's the rules for that. Well, that's fun. Um, so I, I wrote in a few. Uh, so that's they did that for DCC, but they haven't done that yet for, for MCC. So I, I wrote in four 
uh, mutagenic mustaches. And well, most of them are, are not actually mustaches. One is a living chin. Um, another is like a holographic pompadour, which uh, can make you look like Elvis. Um, so I, you know, and they've got their own magical powers, but I've I've wanted magic mustaches in the MCC that are that are flavored for. There's no reason you couldn't just use the ones from DCC. It'd be just fine. Right. I did that, and I thought people would really enjoy those. But now you've got the power. You've got the yeah. pass. <laughs> and no one can stop me now. <laughs> yeah, they say the freedom of the press only applies to those that have a press. Uh, but luckily, we live in an age where everybody can have a press. Yeah, you can call up Mixum, tell him no more. You can't let this madman do it. We'll get some legislation going on about mustaches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can't have this nonsense. We need to ground our MCC. That's going too far off the rails. <laughs> Next thing you know, there'll be, it'll be toupees, and uh, that's just going too far. Oh, the, the section is actually titled Mutagenic Mustaches and Tech Toupees. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is, is as I'm balding, um, the uh, I I can I can never the aesthetics of the toupee never appealed to me, but the the warmth of a toupee sure would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, what if you could, you know, I think about it, it's like, well, if I could put my wallet in there, or you know, <laughs> maybe have USB hookup, you know, there might be uses that I, I'm, I'm overlooking that we could. We could tech up a, a toupee and actually Man, I'm, bring I'm, it back. You get, I got to prototype that out. I'm going to go on Shark Tank and make a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's there's probably all sorts of things. I mean, especially with, you know, technology and fibers, and, you know, who knows? Maybe you can change the color depending on your mood. Um, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or maybe, I don't know. I don't know, but there's there's opportunity there, I guess. Oh, we're we're going to watch Shark. We're going to no. watch Shark Tank in like two years, and there's going to yeah. be some guy who's like, "Well, I was listening to this podcast, and they joked." Yes, be like uh, the yeah, the, the optograv from the jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's like that's cool. So now you've got the mystery. So when's that going to to Kickstarter? Uh, June 14th is, is the plan. It'll run for two weeks and I'm getting, so the, I'm getting the last of the content I need in like early May. So honestly, it will be a hundred percent done by the Kickstarter. It's going to be just funds for printing and, uh, and paying people. Um, most people have already been paid, but, uh, I certainly haven't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you do. Hopefully I, I get paid. Um, but yeah, so uh, June 14th, run for two weeks. Uh, honestly, as soon as I get the money, I'll send people what it will be the finished PDF and go, hey, it's been edited, but see if you spot any weirdness that, that was missed. And people will probably be getting it in August. I'm trying to have a really quick turnaround time because it's uh, getting the money for from a Kickstarter and then having to wait like months because you're still waiting on content be delivered to you that you can put in the layout and then you can print it just like having that money and not being able to use it is like it's frustrating it there's like a little anxiety that hangs over you going well it's in my bank account it's mine but it's not really mine i i owe people things and i didn't like that feeling of having to wait like five months on the last one to to be able to deliver i want to get it 
as quick as possible. So everything should be 100% done by the Kickstarter time. And if you back in the first 24 hours, you will get a special sticker for oh, 48 goodness. hours, actually. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I like to have as much done as possible. And I think what I'm also, you know, looking at, I happen to have more stuff done in 2022, but I don't think I will. But I, I'm just trying to get stuff ahead so that 2023 will be a very orderly year. <laughs> it's strangely, I have uh, I've found more and more of doing this right is around project management and just any, anyone can have a great idea uh, for a thing. And uh, it's, it's the follow through and the execution that matters. But for for a project like putting together a, a even just a, a little zine, even if it's 28 pages, project management is like surprisingly important. And you do one and you can see how it could have gone smoother because you waited a month or two for this aspect of it. But you know, if you had asked for it, the artist to do it or found an editor early who wasn't backlogged or whatever, it would have been done so much quicker. Yes, right. I mean, I mean, the, the key is, you know, because you have a life outside of of uh, RPGs. Uh, <laughs> Strangely, this isn't paying the bills. Yes. <laughs> so we don't, you know, it's already stressful enough. We don't need to be adding more stress than what we already got. And and I agree with you. It's just, it's just, there's so much stress. It's just better to get eliminated. And I think also, I'm, you know, I'm like you. I just kind of like to have stuff done. The idea of not having stuff. The other thing I was afraid of with uh, scound, scoundrels, uh, which I was, I, I kickstarted before. I had it done before I kickstarted, but um, but I would have been afraid that I would have. Uh, my concern was if I would have not had it done beforehand, I may have not gotten as much. I may not have done as much material. I may not have gotten to where I wanted it to be because I would be felt pressure to get it out there. Yeah. So if it's not written, you know, the idea is, is it just good enough rather than is it what I want it to be? So or at least when you when you say, I'm going to wait till I'm 80% done or 90% done, and then I'm going to start playing my Kickstarter another month or two, that puts you in a lot better space of saying, okay, now I know what this is going to be and what it's going to look like. And I've not kind of, you know, uh, short circuited, not only my convictions, but you know, it you're not selling for second best i guess yeah yeah you're not trying to rush anymore you're taking your time to to do it right and to make it look really nice yeah and that's in time is uh yeah and what the the fact is obviously and is just the amount of stuff that one person can put out when you start doing that but it's it's better than ulcers and <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the, the the last one, the I delivered on time for the brimstone cradle on the hills that hunger. Um, it and I, but but I only delivered on time because I baked in an extra month to my like delivery ETA because I knew I wasn't like ready. I, I was most you know, like all the editing. It was mostly I just needed some extra money for for some original art to replace stock art because um, I just wanted that. Um, I'm using stock art for this. I have no qualms against that, um, but. Uh, I was having Diogo do some some original pieces, and you know he's like, okay, I should have it done by you know late December, and I was like, cool, that means I'll be able to get it printed in January and distributed in February, and that'll then I'll be early. But I had the promised delivery date was 
beyond that. Um, but then D Diogo, his foot broke, and then he got COVID. Yeah, and then yeah. he got better, but you know yeah. that caused a little bit of a delay. Uh, yeah, not only did he get his foot <laughs> broke, I think he, he had to go to work to show them that his foot broke. Yeah, yeah, he did. They they didn't believe him. He had to go in for like one day just to be like, look, a cast. You didn't believe the picture. You thought I got that off of Google or I don't know. But it's it's and it's also it's not enough that, that he lives in a country where he has to worry about, you know, you know, shootings and kidnappings legitimately, but he also has to go to work to prove he's got a broken foot. It's yeah. Oh, that's just terrible. But yeah, I exactly what I did is I I I set my date. So if I let's say I have uh proof copies in hand and I kickstart, let's say I was to kickstart it in June. And I would say, you know, I should have everything done by August. I'd still put January as my as my date because I want to not come even more close in case anything could happen, but so far out there. Um, and then, then you deliver early. Yeah. You're a hero. <laughs> no, I'm I'm expecting August. I'll I'm you know I'm I'm putting myself on record as saying that the because I've done it a couple times now. I'm having to, I'm doing everything so early. It seems like it's going to go smooth. The only thing I haven't done before is make custom stickers, but um, that doesn't seem like that hard of a of a task. <laughs> no, uh, you probably find somebody on Etsy that could do it for you. I probably. Honestly, all I've done so far is Google it, and there are a lot of websites that offer it. It's just kind of choosing which one and figuring out how I need to like format my image. Um, but it seems really simple. Oh, like a red bubble or whatever. Yeah, sites like that. Yeah, there's no shortage, I'm sure, of those. And uh, well, I think we're getting close to the time space continuum. You've got, uh, I think you have a, uh, um, a, a wild two year old in, in the other room. <laughs> running my wife ragged yeah we, we need to keep the marriage intact we don't want to blow the marriage over a podcast so <laughs> well uh thanks for coming on and uh i'll definitely look forward to the, the kickstarter coming up here in june so yeah me too I'm, I'm excited to do it again all right well you take care mister hey you too jeff bye